welcome. Today's episode is going to be a little different. Many of you over the years have asked me about my journey of coming to Bali and how Ananda Soul was created. And so we're turning the tables and I will be the subject of this month's episode. Stay tuned to hear about what inspired me to create intentional jewelry, how I discovered my sensitivity as a strength, the new and exciting directions body-oriented therapy and coaching is taking me in, and how I learned to use my heart's yearning to help others run a business and show up in the world with love and compassion. Thank you for joining us for this very personal episode as we highlight my journey and what Sensitive Matters means to me. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, it would mean a lot if you could rate and review the podcast as it helps more people find the show as we highlight creatives, entrepreneurs, and seekers from the magical island of Bali. And now, enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone. We are here with Christina Zipperlin. Hi, welcome. The founder of Ananda Soul Creations and the Sensitive Matters podcast. But she's also a really interesting human and has had an incredible journey as someone who's lived in Bali for over a decade before smartphones, before Google Maps, before <laughs> things were, you know, easy to get around, before it was easy to be here. And you started Ananda Soul in that Bali, mm -hmm. in the like pre-Eat, Pray, Love mm -hmm. Bali, <laughs> the pre-yoga Bali. Um, and obviously Bali is such a spiritual place, um, but really you came here before that whole market was here mm -hmm. and you built Ananda Soul and you kind of became more of yourself here in Bali and as someone who loves the jewelry and as we all do. It's something where we want to know a little bit more about you as a person. <laughs> yeah. So just diving in, tell us a little bit when about when you came to Bali, how you got here, what was the driving force mm -hmm. to bring you to the island, and how you really settled into Ubud. Mm -hmm. um, I came to Bali in 2009, I believe, and I was in a huge transition phase in my life, a pretty uncomfortable one. Um, being in between countries and jobs and knowing what I want to do with my life and relationships and pretty much everything was up in the air. So it was extremely uncomfortable. I was in my mid-20s and I was just coming for yoga teacher training, which a lot of people, that's, that's what they do. Yeah. And um, I landed and something in me felt like I had arrived at home which at the time really didn't make that much sense because, as you just said, the expat community, which was much smaller, um, there weren't really any jobs available for foreigners. Um, you had to be really creative and kind of just figure it out. Also, cost of living was still much lower, so it was possible to figure it out for quite some time. Like, I think there was a year where I kind of just tinkered and and created art and did all kinds of other things, freelance as a graphic designer. And um, yeah, just, just figured things out. Um, I was in the teacher training and just my whole system knew that 
I'm going to stay for a little while longer. So I got the, the first longer visa and um, it kind of unfolded from there. And I know it was because there was nothing in particular to come home to. I didn't even really know what was home at the time um, because I had left Germany already um, six years prior to that. And so, yeah, everything was open and the Bali gods were like, embracing me with open arms with some fine print because I think a lot of us who who have spent time on this island know that there's definitely initiations especially in the beginning um oh yeah you're gonna fall off your motorbike <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's quite common there's dengue initiations and scooter accidents and yeah and just also the the different way of life and um the the rawness and um, something that, that I feel is so not necessarily unique to Bali, but really stands out is the, is the contrast of light and dark. And if you have been to Bali, you see on a lot of the, the temples and the big banyan trees outside of the temples, they're wrapped with this cloth that is checkered with black and white. And it really, it's visible everywhere to acknowledge that there's darkness and that there's light and that is kind of, yeah, what sums up really the journey of, of these 12 years that I've been here now is is the full embracing of the lightness and the darkness. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think in Bali also, it's you're, we're so surrounded by nature here. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those principles of balance and spirituality make their way into Ananda. So before we jump in there, I want to know a little bit about how you got started on your yoga journey and in terms of your journey of spiritual spirituality and personal growth. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty open about sharing about my, my personal kind of journey before, especially before Bali. So it, it goes back quite a bit further. Um, and I've shared that before. I, I struggled with anorexia, with eating disorders pretty severely in my early teenage years. And so that has been a huge healing journey, really over decades. But in particular, like those first few years of my 14 to 18, where I was in therapy and hospitalized and things were pretty serious. And once I was out of that serious phase, I feel it was all the fine tuning of the, do I really want to be in this body on this planet? And what's that going to look like? And watching the thoughts. And so I was... 18, I believe, when I went to my first yoga class. And there was just this dropping in of of breathing in this body and finding moments of feeling comfortable. And it reminds me of a of a an answer I gave to my therapist when I was 15 and, and pretty severely sick. And he asked me, he was like, Is there one thing you can tell me that you like about your body or that you feel comfortable with? And I had to think for quite some time and the thing that came out was my breath I really like to breathe I feel safe it feels like a safe form of nourishment because at the time food didn't feel like a safe form of nourishment Um, and it connects me in and it makes me feel okay about being here for the moment and I feel that is what yoga gave me right it's that time where I can be with this body and breathe into it and feel comfortable in the moment, um, yeah, embracing it and loving it more and more. So it started at a quite young age. And then I also 
different different part of my story that I've also shared quite a bit. I lost my mom to breast cancer when I was 19, almost 18, 19. And that was another layer of, you know, asked about the spiritual journey and, and being quite young, losing my mom was, was that learning of how to connect with the, with the non-embodied world. And um, yeah, there's been a big journey of, of how to communicate, how to connect with my mom's spirit, with, with anything that is, that is beyond the visible and beyond the what's right here and proven. And, um, and those two things really went hand in hand, the, the healing journey of me embracing this physical body and this physical existence and me learning to connect with something beyond that gave me so much more purpose and willingness to be here, like eagerness to stay alive. Absolutely. Wow. And I think in terms of that connection, that's so important for people, you know, we all lose loved ones and we all have that, you know, I guess the tie or cord or connection pretty much to things that may not physically be around us, right? Whether it's energy, whether it's loved ones, whether it's spirit, whether it's angels, whether it's God, you know, whatever you resonate with. But I think it's something where there's a huge element of faith um, and hope and connection that we all crave as human beings. And sometimes we don't acknowledge uh, that in addition to embodiment, I think when we're talking about embodiment and, you know, being at home in our bodies, being safe and being comfortable in our bodies and the the jewelry that you make speaks to this so beautifully mm. and I think offers, you know, talismans and tools to allow people to remember those things. Mm-hmm. It's It's something where that connection to ourselves is also something that isn't tangible. It's that yeah. intangible nature of things. And acknowledging it and working with it is, mm-hmm. I think, a lifelong journey for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. So moving into how you came to Bali, you arrived, you did this yoga training, but you're not a yoga teacher publicly. <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> There's not, it's not Ananda Soul Yoga. So <laughs> nope. Walk us through a little bit how Ananda came to being and, mm-hmm. and what your yoga practice still looks like and, mm-hmm. and maybe a little bit of how your spiritual journey has evolved and how... I mean, really, we're all wearing these beautiful reminders of mm-hmm. connection to spirit and connection to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not a yoga teacher, <laughs> <laughs> and and there's a there's a pretty clear reason for for that. I've always seen myself as an artist, and and that's always been a. I'm not a big fan of labels, and it's always been an identity that's felt really at home. It was also the thing that. Um, Going back to my therapist, he was able to kind of get through to me by just being like, can you just draw that or paint that or somehow express that in a in a visual way? And my mom was an artist as well. So it was just from a very young age to express myself in the physical through art. That feels like my my language. I am not a big fan of standing in front of other people and having to speak and make sense. And I get, even in, in, in these interactions, I get a little bit nervous knowing there's other people out there that are going to hear what I'm, what I'm saying. And so having an expression of what is coming through me and what I want to 
create in the world, shift in the world what I need for myself. So in terms of Anand and what I create, a lot of this are like symbols and messages and little like phrases and affirmations that I, when I tune into my being and when I tune kind of into into the collective a bit, I'm like, this is soothing to carry around with me and have this reminder. And so that feels so safe and so fun to create. And then I launch it and it's it's this collaboration with my team to put it out there and it's all in the visual and it's palpable versus being assigned to a yoga class and showing up and there's all these people looking at me, wanting me to tell them what to do. Just imagining that I'm like, ah. Um, but in essence, like that, I wanted to share kind of my what I have learned and what I've received and and kind of pass it on to whoever needs to receive it and back then when I when I thought I was going to be a yoga teacher every time I had to teach I was just freaked out and it didn't it couldn't come through because also my whole nervous system I was just I was shaky I wasn't fully in my body and so none of the messages could come through and so naturally I was in this crossroads of like am I going to focus more on the jewelry or am I going to focus more on teaching and naturally the jewelry was what what took me and um and in terms of ananda the word of ananda um that was as i you know when i was 18 19 and discovered yoga and, and picked up a book on yoga that was one of the first words that stood out to me and it was always a very anyone who doesn't know ananda means um it's the deep contentment the bliss that we that we carry in us and have have access to without needing externals we don't need the house the car the job the partner whatever we're telling ourselves it we can find that contentment inside of ourselves inside of our soul and hence the two words ananda soul that is what came through and that is really the essence of what i what i wish to to put out into the world um yeah, that was a bit of how it came to be Absolutely. over 10 years ago, 11 years ago. And did you always make jewelry? I mean, how did the ideas for the designs initially mm-hmm. come about? Like you were in Bali. Bali has a beautiful jewelry tradition mm-hmm. of, of silversmithing and goldsmiths here on yeah. the island. Um, but your designs are so unique. Mm-hmm. How, how do they, like, how do you design them? <laughs> <laughs> um, first of all, there's just this wealth of ideas, like, <laughs> if if my if my um production manager is listening to this she's probably going to giggle because every single time um we create a new collection we have to cut designs because they're like Christina just went too crazy again it's too many we cannot produce all of this it's too much work to bring out so it, it there's it just wants to come through um so i don't really have to search for much and um in terms of the art expression when I grew up, I was more into painting um, and drawing as well as sculpting. The Kind of the last workshop that my mom and I took together was a stone carving workshop. And so I've, I've, I love creating like the peeling away of a form from a, a material. And that is actually a lot of the pieces that we make for the jewelry, it's that in many, many versions. So you actually carve these symbols and and whatever you want to create in wax. And so it's a miniature version of sculpting. So yeah, that that is kind of how how that that art form came into my life in that way. 
I didn't start making jewelry until, so before I moved to Bali, I lived in Hawaii. I went to college there um, and worked as a graphic designer. And in Hawaii, one of my good friends there, she was like, let's, let's take classes to learn how to make jewelry. And I was like, sure, nothing else to do. And that sounds really fun. So I took courses there to make jewelry. And then life brought me here to Bali and I, I had brought all my equipment um, and I was sitting in the living room making jewelry. And my friend was like, why don't you start collaborating with artists here? Because as, as you just said, it's an incredible um, wealth of tradition and, and artists who make jewelry here. And so I started teaming up with silversmiths and beautiful, beautiful artists and create creator pieces together. Beautiful. And now it's grown quite a bit. Mm -hmm. What was that? What was that growth like to experience? You know, (laughs) (laughs) I think any kind of change, whether it's good or bad, even if it's a positive expansion, Mm -hmm. it can feel unfamiliar. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think doing something that is so in service of people mm-hmm. that, you know, when people wear Ananda pieces, you feel that intention. You're, mm-hmm. You know, you really feel that connection. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's really a, a powerful line of jewelry. And I think that when people are, are wearing it, that's kind of how they feel. But it didn't – did you start out with that intention? <laughs> no, absolutely not. I started out as an artist, really, wanting to make beautiful pieces and <clears> – <throat> really mostly making them for myself and then for some close friends. Um, The journey to where we are now has been, there's not one word for it. It has been almost everything when it comes to emotions. What I think of is a a phrase that our operations manager, Uni, said in one of our team days, I think it was like a year and a half ago now, where (laughs) she laughed and she was like, well, you know, it's different working for Christina because I have to kind of space it out. She's really sensitive. So I, I can't just like put all this stuff on her at once because then she's just going to look at me and feels like it feels like she's going to start crying. And um, I don't know, that, that that story just came and it doesn't fully land yet. And I think most people who, who know me here and who've worked with me, the good and sometimes bad thing about me is that I care a lot, a lot. And any people in business know that that is a good quality to have and also a challenging quality because I I have definitely burned out in the process multiple times over these 11 years. I um, haven't done things in always a traditional way of how business should be done because I'm like, no, these these are like my family members. I can't, no, we're doing it differently. And so I've definitely had some interesting feedback from from business advisors and people that are like, hmm, that's not how we usually see it done. And then they end up falling in love with our ways of maybe doing things a bit more gently and a bit more caringly. And um, yeah, so, so the, the journey has been so many things. I mean, just over these last few years, you know, we had the volcano eruptions here in Bali where tourism went down tremendously and we had to make it through that time and now with COVID you know that the island is empty and we had to pivot and adjust and shift and I've certainly had moments where I was like this is too much why did I sign up for that and there's always something bigger and at this point it's 
a lot of families who are involved. So it is beyond me. It's not just me saying, oh, I don't feel like doing this. No, this affects and supports and feeds and inspires a lot of people outside of me. Absolutely, because you grew Ananda Soul from your idea and your love and your passion of wearing intention Mm -hmm. in beautiful jewelry. Mm -hmm. And now there's a whole team. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's a business. (laughs) And you guys have multiple (laughs) shops and you distribute around the world. And, you know, on Instagram, there's thousands and thousands of followers. And, you know, it's something where people want to wear the jewelry because it Mm -hmm. resonates with them so much. It's, It's really... You know, it's incredible when you think of like I had this little idea. Yeah. It-, it makes me it makes me think of this phrase that I I used to come home like over the years and say to my partner, I think it's working. Babe, I think it's working. And and it was like it it was what does that even mean? Like the, yeah. you know, it's like for me to not trust that and and be like, "Oh my god, it's actually it's a business. I think it's working." And um yeah, so I I wouldn't in my wildest dreams have imagined that it, it turns into a real business because I really just started as an artist and all of the business components I had to teach myself and I sometimes reinvented the wheel and really you shouldn't when, when it comes to like bookkeeping or accounting it's actually good to just follow the rules yeah. <laughs> yeah. there were some there were definitely were some like in the early years you know where we just had to get more organized. Um, and then there's other things where I think it's great to reinvent the wheel and and question, you know, how, how things are done and how we can do things differently. And, and that is in and through everything we do, you know, with the materials and, and the projects that we start here, where there's just a lot of questioning with a big heart that, that happens. Yeah, absolutely. And it's something where, you know, maybe it was a business that you created thinking, okay, I'll just do this to do it. Mm-hmm. And now it's really become such a large part of your life. Um, but you're a really multifaceted person. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we all are as human beings and we have multiple interests and multiple passions and multiple purposes. Mm-hmm. And lately you've also been moving into a different area of your life. Yeah, it's been it's been a long time coming. I'm currently studying to be a therapist, a psychologist, and I know that is a long journey ahead of me as well, and I'm a couple years in, and I feel that that is, it's almost coming full circle. When I took off to Hawaii to study, I was obviously like everybody who graduates from high school trying to figure out what I was going to do, and I was in between either studying to become an art therapist or focusing in the art direction of creating art. And um, I had signed up and been accepted into courses in Germany for art therapy, and that was what I was going to do. And then I went to Hawaii for three months and ended up staying there and going to school there. And they only had like a visual graphic design marketing direction. So I was like, okay, fine, I'll go with the creative direction. And um, all these years, though, there has been that part of me that had continued my own healing journey and my own studying for for personal healing into mental health into different alternative ways of like going into the depth of what I mentioned earlier the neuropathways pathways and and you know tendencies patterns that I had that I still wanted to release and shift and so this feels like the coming full circle of now 
stepping into this direction and yes, having poured all of my intentions and prayers and messages into jewelry and there is this other side that that in me that wants to just fully address the mental health piece without putting it into jewelry. So there's the side of me that that um wants to speak and interact directly. And, you know, it, it is also going back to that yoga teacher piece where at the time in my like mid-20s, I was too nervous and afraid of, of interacting with others. And I feel that that has kind of deepened and I've kind of settled into the fact that it's so healing and beautiful when we connect with each other in just a pure, stripped-back, open-hearted way of um, not having to perform or prove anything. And that, what I've found, has been so tremendously healing. Like, that has been the deepest healing for me around mental health, of feeling safe, feeling seen, feeling that there's nothing wrong with me. And so, yeah, those are the studies that I've been diving into and um, exploring the different directions, really focusing on the somatic direction for myself, somatic meaning embodiment, because that I find was what helped me the most of really understanding what is going on in my body and where I'm storing certain beliefs um, when when I feel like my, you know, my solar plexus cramping up and and having physical responses and really watching, okay, where is this coming from? So that is where a lot of my curiosity in terms of studies has been to explore the somatic realm. Absolutely. And we don't always even know or know to acknowledge those embodied cues, Mm -hmm. right? I think in modern society, Western society especially, Mm -hmm. there's this kind of like, oh, you know, your body may be feeling something, right? You may be feeling excited. You may be feeling scared. You may be feeling nervous. You may be feeling nauseous, right? Mm -hmm. But we're taught to kind of push that down. And I'd like you to speak a little bit more about somatics and and Mm -hmm. what that really is, because I think allowing ourselves that full spectrum of the human experience is something that carries from Ananda to the work you're doing mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel what you just said, right? That there's a lot of um, expressions that we're taught to push down and suppress. And it does bring me back to my mom, who is such an angel in my life and, and a big inspiration for really pretty much everything I do you know she's the inspiration behind Ananda really and she is really the 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 core inspiration for this as well because she developed breast cancer and you know there's obviously I'm not going to go into the reasons why people develop cancer and having been her daughter I know there were some energetics of some things that she did suppress and um so to to look in my own body, where am I suppressing? Where have I stored certain beliefs? What have I learned to not express? I feel, and I'm I'm very much against stereotyping anything. And there are a few that that kind of resonate for me. And one is, as someone born into a female body, I am uncomfortable with expressing anger. I always soothe, I always make sure there's harmony, which is a very beautiful quality to have. And it's not healthy in the moments when there actually is 
a good reason to be angry about. And so for a big portion of my life, I suppressed anger and I had stomach issues. And, you know, going back to like, I didn't even feed my body to just make myself numb, to just tune out because feeling the emotions was too much. And so the the slow unraveling of of learning to hear these these small cues of the body again of like oh i can feel my stomach cramping up what is going on right now am i not feeling safe How, what can i do to make myself feel more safe or then going into the fine tuning of like what would what would that feeling say right now what is there are there any memories attached to it um yeah that's that's some yeah. examples of going into the the somatic into the body cues where there is so so much wisdom and and one of my dear teachers Gabor Mate he speaks about that a lot he he wrote a book called when the body says no going into a lot of the um, different forms of, of diseases that could express themselves and then the psychosomatic components and, mm. you know. Absolutely. And for everybody listening, what are some things that maybe just small things that we can all do to be more embodied or to even just recognize those things within ourselves? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like noticing when the face kind of tightens up or, you know, I'm, I'm somebody, I grind my teeth at night and, and that's one thing that where I'm it's this mystery to me. I don't know how to solve it. It started around when my mom got sick and, and I don't know what it's trying to tell me. It's still a big question mark, but to, to start being curious about this beautiful body of ours and what it's telling us, because it really is just an expression of this life we've lived and our bodies. I think that has been one of my biggest, biggest learnings. It's always on our side. Like it is always on our side. It is incredible how hard our body works. Like if we if we sometimes do something that it might not appreciate, like we go out and, and party too hard or something, it always works for us of constantly recovering and getting us to a state of well-being which is incredible. And to to also see the somatic component in that way of, you know, there, there might have been something really overwhelming that happened and the body was like, we're going to just tuck this away right here because it would be way too intense to fully experience this right now. And so we've been carrying it in the body and the body's been trying to keep us safe and protecting us by tucking it away and to to step more into a collaboration with this physical being that we embody to be like thank you for tucking it away and maybe let's see if it will be helpful to very gently take a peek at it maybe it's something we would like to soften or maybe put down and not continue to carry around yeah absolutely and I think it's something we all easily forget that our bodies are here to protect us our our bodies are here to be our vehicle in the world right Mm -hmm. we can see we can hear we can walk we can eat, we can breathe. And mm-hmm. I think it's something where in the modern day, sometimes where we all think about how does this look mm-hmm. <laughs> on Instagram, it's so important to have that awareness and appreciation mm-hmm. for our physical vessel. Yeah, absolutely. And you've done a lot of work and 
studying with your master's in psychology, but also somatics and something else called compassionate inquiry. Mm -hmm. Speak a little bit to that and for everybody who might not know what that is. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a therapeutic approach developed by the teacher I just mentioned, Gabor Mate, um, who... If anybody's curious, I would definitely look him up. He is one of the most inspiring and compassionate humans I've I've ever encountered. Um, he has a, a long history of working um, in Vancouver, in the downtown east side of Vancouver, with the addict population. And he's an MD, so he, he's, a, he's a doctor. He's not... He actually... He often says he never went to school as a therapist or psychologist and out of need with his patients at the time who, whenever he talked to them, he noticed there were patterns of trauma. There were patterns of um, horrible things that happened to them in their childhood. And it was very consistent. And so he knew they couldn't afford therapy. And he started to just sit with them. You know, it was like, I think an an hour or two out of the week where people would just come and were able to talk with him. And so what he noticed and what I found as well, what was the most healing and what people really needed the most was to just, for somebody to be there and to compassionately sit with them and see them as the full being that they are despite the external symptoms or expressions of maybe choices that aren't really respected by society, but to see that little being underneath that often was a little child that has been trying its very, very best to somehow make it in this world. And, you know, if something really horrible happened to them as a child, they started to adapt to somehow survive. And, um, I don't remember who said it to me, but I think it came through Gabor's work as well. Because he he says like, thank God for, thank God for alcohol, thank God for whatever the, the the choice of substance or behavior, because you might not be here without it. And and that gave me such a new understanding for my history of eating disorders, because at the time. It helped me to somehow make it through this life. It numbed me. It kind of gave my mind something to do when being alive in this reality was too much. And so the essence underneath this therapeutic approach of compassionate inquiry is really to see that full being underneath all of the adaptations all of the coping strategies that we we all develop over time and some are more extreme because they need to adapt and compensate for more extreme things that happen to us but we all kind of figure out how to make it through this life and sometimes tune out and there's nothing wrong with that so that that phrase really that was and continues to be so big for me of like there's nothing wrong with me there's nothing wrong with me and um that is why I feel and felt when I when I um, discovered Gabor so drawn to his work because that is really the underlying message, um, which is very different from some of the encounters I had, especially in my teenage years, where there was a symptom and people wanted to fix it and they wanted to make sure it goes away so that I can function again and, and check a box exactly and be well and be and, done and right. let's give her this label and let's give her this treatment that fixes whatever label she has and 
And I'm like, I am a person underneath who's actually having a really hard time right now and who's not even really sure if I want to be here. And all they wanted to do is, in my case, shove food (laughs) in me and make sure that my weight goes up. And that is not what it was about at the end of the day. Yes, at the time, we had to make sure that my body survives, but it, it wasn't at the end of the day it was a symptom yeah yeah absolutely and I think that wholeness Mm -hmm. of fully seeing and witnessing people for who they are is so important because nowadays we're shown from everywhere you know from the media social media you know everywhere around us that we're not enough or we'll be better if we have this or do this or are this or become this when in truth we are that whole person within us already. We are complete. Mm -hmm. We are whole Mm -hmm. and complete. And I think that is also something that is woven into the fabric of Ananda, especially Mm -hmm. with a lot of the campaigns that you guys have done, not only in the messaging of the jewelry, but the models you guys pick. Mm -hmm. They're not, they're not all, they don't all look the same. Yeah. To be quite honest, which is really important. (laughs) (laughs) Which is so, so important to me personally in what I can stand behind in terms of creating. And and it's been very fascinating to watch the the unfolding of that. You know, when I first started off, I it was one of the things where I followed what I was um, advised to do. You know, you go through a model agency and you, you get the ones that are... Tall and yeah, thin and con- pale. Exactly. And considered young, pretty yeah. and desirable by the masses. And then... Who decided that in the first place? You know, like that's another rabbit hole to go down to of like, what is it that that how we ended up here with those standards? And to for me to develop the courage to be like, you know what, maybe it will get less likes and maybe it won't be as successful, but I still will choose this model versus the one out of the catalog. And at first I was intimidated because people and, and it actually that is that is the confusing part as well you know I would I would do campaigns and we would put them out and yes there were less likes and it and naturally you know like we have these algorithms that we're all exposed to to some form or another and these companies had just decided that oh no people don't want this and we're not going to put it out and so then I was like okay are we going to stay small and people can't see your work or are we going to go with what you're supposed to do and and it was just continuously choices of like no I'm going to do it differently and I'm beyond grateful for the developments of the last couple of years because people are we're standing up more for it and actually engaging more and supporting more the ones that are making these choices and there is a absolutely yes I am supporting this because you're you're doing it and um so I'm super grateful that, that that support is there. And there is still a lot more to push. And it's been fascinating to watch what happens to me as I, you know, I'm an extremely visual person. It's like through my whole being. And, and so I would go through my day and I always have a little bit of a, like if I would, if I would encounter somebody who, who has, like who draws me in, I would often walk up to them and ask if they would be interested to model for us and as I developed the courage to to shift that and to to expand you know the understanding of what does it mean to be beautiful even my own my own like neural pathways have changed I look at our what we're putting out and embracing 
the variety of human expressions, and in our case, female expression, because our, our jewelry is for women, um, or women identifying humans. Not necessarily if men want to wear it, but that is like yeah. what usually happens. And um, to just like, yeah, push push the boundaries on that so that we can we can work with our own brain because it does happen to us. Like the more we see something, the more we get um, influenced by it. And so the more we put something else out, like we see, we, we expand our understanding of, of beauty. Absolutely. And I think it's something where our neural pathways, absolutely those, those pathways are more and more developed the more we see diversity yeah. and the more we appreciate, similar to Gabor Mate's work, the more we appreciate everyone for the whole and complete person that they are. Yeah. Um, so that's really beautiful. And I think a lot of the work that you do um, has a, a little bit of an intricacy of you pick up on things and you there's a there's a quiet sensitivity there mm-hmm. that I think is a strength. And it's interesting because toward the beginning of your journey, you spoke about not wanting to stand in front of a yoga class mm-hmm. and be in front of all these people. And now you've moved into a modality where you're not presenting something it's Mm -hmm. more of a listening and and helping understand and witnessing so it's really kind of the inverse of that experience yeah it's a being with and I think you know that's also the journey that I encourage like every everyone I encounter to really learn like who am I and what what are the things that work for me and that uplift me because it is so different for different individuals I know for myself I you know that was something to to embrace like that I that I might be you know a, a bit more sensitive than than others maybe in my family or it, it used to be something that I was told like oh why are you so sensitive? And, and you know, it, it startled me and it made me go like, oh, there's something wrong with me. I have to toughen up. And I, um, you know, why can't I be the, the charismatic out there yoga teacher that is on stage? And, and you know, it, it, we don't, for a big part in, in our realities, it is encouraged to be confident and to be um on stage to be that inspiration that that radiant out there fake it till you make it exactly yeah I mean we have it in our language so much and to start embracing like what works for me and listening to the body as well right of like my body completely tightens up if I'm in front of a big group of people and my brain doesn't work and nothing wants to come through so that doesn't seem to be my medium to express um, and how can I find the, the, the ways to do so? And, um, yeah, it's been incredibly helpful in, in my studies as well. It really only was like a few years ago when I was like, oh, wait a second, like maybe it is a strength to be, to be sensitive and to feel this much, which really has been this whole journey of, of mental health for me of like, it was too much. I was feeling too much and I wanted to check out and I find all, found all the different ways to do so and to eventually come to a point of like, well, the checking out and the tuning out hasn't really worked out too well. How, like suppressing emotions. Exactly. Similarly. Yeah. yeah. So how can I create an environment? How can I create loved ones and a job and a home that makes it okay to feel this much? And and in my studies, you know, I, I've been reading about empaths. I've been reading about something called HSP, highly sensitive 
person where there's actually scientific studies how 20% of the population have different pathways, different bodies of perceiving the world. And Sensory it start, perception. Yeah, it yeah. starts immediately after birth. Like that was, it blew my mind how they did studies with newborns and they could tell how much they were picking up and how they were more easily overwhelmed than other newborns. And they followed them over over decades. And it was like incredible, the percentage of, of how they could predict that somebody turned out to be more of a sensitive, quiet person and empaths and would pick, you know, the life that, that supports that. And And it's just yet another another wave or another area of my life where it's like, oh, there is nothing wrong with me. And by acknowledging that that is more of my nature that I was born into to adapt my life and to 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 just first embrace it and accept it and then be like, okay, now what do what I, I do with that in my life rather than comparing myself with others who have other strengths and things come more easily to them that are that are more challenging. Absolutely. And I think the variety of the human experience and just the variety of humanity is something where sometimes different can be seen as not as good or mm -hmm. bad or yeah. too sensitive, you know, mm -hmm. what, whatever it is. But actually, it's just human variation. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. it's something where as we embrace that more and more, you can work with it. Yeah. And, you know, it go it goes in all the directions. Like I Like there's others out there, they're, you know, they're too loud, they're too much, they're too big. And and how can we make space for the different expressions and find the little pocket that is the perfect expression for that, for that human? You know, where is the gift rather than making it wrong and just making it all like the middle way of of kind of fitting into a mold? which like gives me shivers. It's like one of my least favorite things to have to fit into something that yeah. I've been told I have to. <laughs> I think we all feel that way and, and to some extent. Mm -hmm. And it's something where as I think a society, we're becoming more inclusive. We're able to have that unconditional compassion mm -hmm. for people. And that's something that Ananda has always done in, in throughout the lines of jewelry and the themes and the mantras and, um, you know, just little, little like nuggets of wisdom. Mm -hmm. That's what I like to think of them as that, you know, come along with each collection or piece of jewelry. And it, it's beautiful to see how that has moved into the work that you're doing. Um, and you are also, it's something where it's, it's quite a big undertaking to get your master's in psychology. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I most certainly have realized that. <laughs> yeah. There's definitely late nights and, Yeah, but it, it's one of those things like it's been such a long time coming and I'm I'm loving it. You know, when you just have such clear, like full, full soul, yes, clarity of this is this is the path. And I I don't know exactly where it will take me and um, what I will how it will express itself. And mm -hmm. I know that this is this is what I need to do right now. And um, yeah, it's. I'm excited. It really is a, a dream come true to finally be able to do that and to to carve out the time and um, yeah, and and now it's it's just the you know taking the steps and learning how to weave it into my life, starting to do sessions, finding my my way in that as well. You know of, of 
yeah, shifting into new directions and opening myself up in that way. And it's been so beautiful and so rewarding in the way of what you just said, right? There is that that performance element is is so different there because the intention is to be with the other and to to just deeply listen and and be present and um and it that's something that like is one of my favorite activities to do in life is to to just be with the other in exactly how we are and yeah Absolutely. And it's 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 quite an intricate process. You have school for at least a few years and then you mm-hmm. also have these practicums where you are offering sessions to people mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Um and I believe that through Ananda Soul you can sign up to have sessions with Christina and the do- there's a donation that goes directly to supporting families here in Bali. Mhm. Yeah. So what I'm currently doing is part of the the training is giving sessions and the fee that we're charging goes 100% to a project we started when the pandemic began, um, which is called Adopt a Family. And we do food deliveries on the island here in areas where people are really struggling to feed their families. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm on this journey of, of my different mentorships and practicums of giving sessions to people who feel that it would resonate with them. And yeah, so if you if you're interested, we're gonna put the link into the notes. And yeah, we'll put the link in the show notes. And I think also in October, mm-hmm. you're offering the first session for free. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. It's part of Mental Health Day, and just um, you know, we all have been going through challenging times in these last two years, and so it feels really, it feels really good to offer that to give the first fresh first session for free for the month of August. And we'll put the code for that into the notes as well to sign up. Absolutely. Well, Christina, thank you so much for sharing your journey with thank us. Thank you, Norma Jean. That was so beautiful. Thank you for joining us for Sensitive Matters. If you haven't had a chance yet, please subscribe on Spotify, Google Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast from. And if you have a chance, please rate and review if you're listening via Apple Podcast, as it really helps more people discover the show to listen to these incredible conversations. This podcast is brought to you from Bali and made possible by my ethical jewelry company, Ananda Soul. You can check out our website and all of our ethically handmade jewelry at anandasoul.com. You'll also receive a $15 gift card on your first purchase when you subscribe to our newsletter, so make sure not to miss out on that as well. Thank you again for joining us, and we look forward to sharing more of Sensitive Matters with you.